A sermon for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, proper 12c. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Here ends the Gospel. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You know, sometimes it's hard to get a big group of people, or even a small group of people, to recite something in unison. The Lord's Prayer is an exception, though, whether it's due to drilling it into our heads from an early age or the exceptional simplicity of its poetry. The Lord's Prayer is easy to say together. The only problem, though, is knowing when to start. No one really wants to be the first person to start talking in a big group. That's why in the liturgy, we often have an introductory line technically called an incipit, that cues the congregation when to speak or to sing in the case of chants. For the Lord's Prayer, we often begin, Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. But don't throw this line away as a little decoration or as a liturgical starting cue. 
It's a short line that captures Jesus' teaching on prayer here in Luke chapter 11, which also, coincidentally, includes the words of the Lord's Prayer. So let's break down the two parts of this incipit and consider our prayers. One of the two thieves on the cross who was crucified with Jesus had a moment of clarity as his life was slipping away. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, that's not only a prayer for a criminal who is being crucified with Jesus, but really for all Christians who have been crucified with Christ. And so we take up the same petition on our lips when we begin, Lord, remember us in your kingdom. Now at the outset, we have to think of the act of remembering in a biblical way. It's not simply recalling some facts like your multiplication tables from grade school or some past events like remembering what song you had your first dance to as husband and wife. Sometimes memories fade with time. You have to get out your calculator now to make some multiplications. And sometimes you misremember things. Your your wife and you may have very different recollections about your first dance. In the Bible, though, remembering isn't about something in the past. It's about something in the future. When Noah was in the ark floating above the waters, the book of Genesis says right in the middle of the story that God remembered Noah. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. When God remembers, that's a prelude to God acting. Oftentimes Christians speak of the power of prayer, but it's not really the prayer that's powerful. It's the one who hears the prayer. And if God doesn't remember us when we pray, then we can pray until we're blue in the face and nothing will happen. When we ask the Lord to remember us in his kingdom, we're asking for him to act upon our prayers and our petitions. So for prayer to have any power, you first need a Lord who is interested in listening. Now, this little parable that Jesus tells in uh, the gospel, following uh, instructing his disciples to, to pray the Lord's Prayer, this parable is about disinterested listening. Jesus said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now that kind of prayer does have a little bit of power to be pesky and persistent. I mean, have you ever met somebody 
who is happy to tell you all of their troubles. After hearing one or two woes, you're sorry you asked in the first place and you feel like saying, I don't really care. And then you may do something just to get that person to be quiet. That's like our slumbering friend in the parable. He gives something just to make the noise stop. That's disinterested listening. So persistence in prayer does have a little power. Sometimes by being bothersome, you can get what you want out of somebody else, but probably it's at the expense of the future relationship between friends. I'm not sure how our slumbering friend in the parable addressed his late night neighbor the next time he saw him, but he probably wasn't too happy about losing sleep. But Jesus follows up this parable, encouraging Christians to pray with persistence. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now the reason why we can pester God with our prayers is because he is not a disinterested, slumbering friend. He's a father. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, a father is interested in his children and wants to give them what they ask for before they even ask for it. Even you fathers who are evil, Jesus reminds us that we are evil because of our sin. Even you fathers out there, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Although in your sin, sometimes you give your children grief instead of gifts. But you still know how to give them good gifts, even if it's bothersome. And you're more like the slumbering in the friend in the parable who just wants your kids to be quiet and go away. If you can manage to give good gifts to your kids, don't think that the Heavenly Father doesn't want you to bring your prayers before him. He's not weighed down by sin like you are. So we need to learn to pray once again. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. That's what the disciples asked from Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, it's not as if the technique or mechanics of prayer are difficult to learn. If you can talk to your dad, you can pray. If you can ask a friend to borrow a pen, you can pray. It's what to say and how to say it. That's a little more puzzling. To the question of what to say, Jesus has a very simple response. 
He gives words to say. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. The Lord's Prayer is called a the Lord's Prayer because it's His words. And He gives them to us Christians to say. In fact, there's rarely a time when we gather together as the children of God and do not pray the Our Father, whether it's for divine service or prayer services or even more informal devotions. We pray the Our Father because He is our Father. But the words also extend from the Our Father. When you pray, for instance, give us this day our daily bread, you may add to it a more specific prayer, one or two or ten things to support your body and life. Because the Lord's Prayer not only gives you the words to pray, but it also shapes your words for prayer. Now that we have the words to say, how do we present them? How do we pray? And how can we be sure that our Father remains interested? Well, Jesus teaches us to pray both by giving us his prayer to shape our own prayers and adding to it his promise of the Holy Spirit. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When we don't know what to pray for or how to get the words out of our mouths, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And that's really what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Pray to the Father through the Son for the gifts of the Spirit. So when we say, teach us to pray, we're really only asking that the Holy Spirit would help us to believe that God is our Father and that we are his children, so that we may ask him as dear children ask their dear Father. These are prayers that interest our Father in heaven. So Lord, remember us in your kingdom and continually teach us to pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus.